take your seats. My name's Michelle and I'm part of the team here at True North. Big shout out to all the ladies in the house. Come on guys, big shout out. Come on, let's celebrate that. That's right. I hope today has started well. Any breakfast in bed moments? Are we bit too early, 9am crowd. I'll try again for 10.45. Um, but I hope today is uh, just a great day celebrating who you are because I'm sure we are all amazing women in this place as God has created us to be. Well, this morning we are in week four of Real and this uh, series that we've been um, tracking with has been able to show us how are we real followers of Christ in a world where is shaped with all sorts of fake things, things that aren't real, things that aren't authentic. How do we become those real followers that follow Christ and are seen in our world? Uh, just a funny story. A lot of people have been sharing stories about, you know, these fake things that they've bought. And I was just reminded of one year, Jeff, where we used to go to Bali quite a bit. Who's been to Bali and had one of these experiences? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all identify this, right? And I remember Jeff's like, I've got these great shoes. They're Adidas. And we looked around and we turned them over. And actually, when we got home, they're Puma on the bottom and Adidas on the top. But what made it even more funnier, so one time he's like running with the kids in the park and he's running and the souls are there and he's like here. It was like the most funniest thing. So that's just my little, it doesn't really fit in the message, but I thought I'd share. It's quite funny. But as we go into week four, um, have you ever played a game Mafia? Has anyone ever heard or played of this game Mafia? Dean's with me. <laughs> so we play, I hadn't played this before and I played it once. And what it is, it's a game where it's a bit of a role-playing game where, you know, you get given characters. There's cards that are dealt out. Each card represents what character you're going to be. But no one knows what anyone's going to be. And so you get dealt all these cards and whatever you are, you obviously keep it hush-hush, keep it to yourself. It's also called maybe Village or Werewolf and Assassin, apparently these different names. are Same sort of game, it's a great game. <laughs> but then there's this, so you're in this setting of you've got to play the role of the character you're dealt. And so you could be dealt either um, mafia or a townsperson, a killer, a, sh a sheriff, a detective. One of these people you could be dealt. And so according to what you're dealt, you've got to play that role. But also you've got to have all this strategy in around that people don't know the role that you're playing. And we first played this, the very first time I played this um, game was with Pastor Dean. And it was at the all-in camp. Who was at all-in camp? It, as Dean mentioned, you know, the all-in service that's coming up is the most incredible experience for us as a church to be able to worship and be a part of who we are as a full body of believers across all our services. So be there the 18th of June. It's an amazing experience. But we're playing this game and it's probably about 10 o'clock at night, I'd say. It's really late in the night. And because all in camp, it was just this amazing experience. Every bed was filled, actually overflowing. All the boys were on the courts in the, in the gymnasium. <coughs> and we're playing this game. And Pastor Dean... He's pretty loud. He's pretty loud normally. He goes up like five notches in volume as we're starting getting into this game. He is loud. The young adults are like, what is going on? And that's the young adults speaking. So anyhow, he's into the game. And so this game, if you've never played it, played it before, it is based on actually a lot of accusations, stories made up, lies and strategy around, you know, trying to disguise who you are as your character. And I think I was one of the townspeople. I can't really remember the whole thing. I was like asking people, like, how did that game go again? I just remember 
Dean very clearly in this moment. I'm like, who are you? Who are you? He was very good at the game. And so the game, this game starts. So everyone's, there's a moderator who knows who everybody is. Everyone, but no one else knows who else is who. And so the game starts where it becomes night and everyone closes their eyes. It's night time, still like a game type thing. Um, close your eyes and then the moderator identifies who's mafia, who's the killer, da, 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 and, and so on. Everyone opens their eyes so the moderator knows who's who. And so at this stage, so we're playing the game, moderator knows who's who and then the game starts. The morning, morning comes and the game is on. So the game's on and you've got to start creating stories, creating different scenarios and different things to make the accusations against other people. Is this right? Yeah, we're getting on the right track. And so then convincing others of this story that you're telling. And then once you've got one person on board, which Dean was actually quite good at, once you've got one person on board, then you can start accusing the other people for, oh, you're the killer, you're the this, you're the whatever. And so then the, this whole point is just like play proceeds, game's on, Dean's out of his corner, he's got his straight face on, there's no telling who he is. And he's, we're playing this game, but it's all based on, and then this detective has got to sift through all these stories, all this evidence, all this stuff to find out who is the killer. Who actually am I trying to find? Who, how do I know through all the stories, through everyone's telling? How can I find the actual evidence to tell me and point me to who I'm needing to find? You know, as we go about life, as we go about what, what we're walking in here and through what our world, how does the world find evidence of who God is? How is it that the world will find the evidence of actually who is God in this world? What evidence does the average person have in front of them to actually state, well, who is God? Why do I need God? Where is God? And um, today, this morning, we're going we're gonna to unpack some scripture to find actually what is the evidence of God in this world? Through what means does God present himself in this space? And we're going to unpack that this morning. We're going to find out, you know, actually how does the world identify and, and know who God is? In 1 John, it speaks into what it means to be real followers. And as we head into chapter 4, John speaks into the reality that real followers have a part to play in making the invisible God visible in this world. So what does that look like? So who is God? We're going to read that in 1 John 4, chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Scripture here is pointing to the source of love. Where has love been born? Where does love come from? Where is love shown? Saying, because God is love. You know, I read this scripture and I read this verse and to be honest, we can read it so quickly and to stop and say, yep, yep, we know that God is love. We know that. Let's skip, skip on and let's keep going. But to understand and to pause and think, well, how, how much do we really have that in our hearts to say, actually, God, 
God, you are love. God is love. God in this space that, you know, we don't just walk out and walk through this world without, you know, sometimes even acknowledging in our days that God is love in our lives. To know that we need to understand that God is love and that God's love, that it resides not just in our heart, but it goes deep down into our heart, into, not into our head, but deep down into our heart. That, you know, we, we walk out, that not that we walk in this understanding that, you know, we need to buy his love or we need to earn his love or we need to strive for his love. But in fact, just full stop, God is love. And there's nothing that we can do to earn, buy or um, earn it. But it's been given freely to each one of us. And purely to rest in that truth that God is love. This love being that ultimate expression of who he is. And we see that being captured in this sacrificial laying down of Jesus Christ on the cross for each one of us. That God's love, so great that he sent his one and only son, that for each one of us, that we are free from sin as a cost of Jesus Christ on that cross. That he pays the price, he's, he has that ultimate gift of love for each one of us, that he, he pays that on the cross, that there is no more sin. Sin cannot separate us from the love of God. That sacrifice that Jesus makes paves the way for each one of us. And the task of a real follower for you and for I is to capture this quality, that, that love for one another in our own lives is the evidence of God's love in us. It is the evidence that, you know, God is love and God is love in us and how is that expressed through us? That the love that is seen and the evidence of who we are in this world is a mark of that God's love upon us. That John is speaking this also in um, John, I was reading in John 13, 35, he states that by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Another marker that's saying that God's love in us is seen evidence through our lives, is seen in our lives and through the picture of how we go about in our workplace and our every day, that God's love is outworked through that. So how do we live out God's love in our lives? What does it look like? How you live out God's love in your world is seen to all those around, isn't it? It's that evidence of God's love in our lives. And as we continue on in um, verse 11 to 15, it says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. The way we love becomes the evidence of the unseen God in our world, isn't it? That how much we know of God's love in our lives reflect that in the way that we love others. Literally making our God visible in our world. Literally making God in our lives visible to those around us as we are loving and outworking that in our lives. Our lives reflecting God's love to all around. Our ability to love not only come from our dry and broken lives, 
It doesn't come from that place. So I think we're limited in how much actually we can love. But to know that the love that we have access to is an infinite love of God that works in and through our broken lives. And I think the more broken we are and the more open we are in that, that God's love can actually work in and through our lives. That, you know, we don't have to be perfect to be able to love those around us, but yet through our brokenness that God has the ability to work in and through our lives to be able to love and to be able to show all those around us. And that our working of love in our lives is made complete. It says there, it says that we are, it is complete in us. It is made complete. That God lives in us and he has made it complete in us. That you know that with, there's no striving or earning that, but in fact that we get to outwork that in our lives where God's love is complete in us. That for whatever reason he chooses you and I, to be able to outwork that here in, in our world. That not that we do it perfectly, but we, we work it out and it is complete in and through us. It is the non-visible nature of God that works through our lives, that makes God visible through our love for one another. When we love one another, his love is complete. His love is it's finished. It is worked out through us, through our ability to love others. To know that God is love and to let that go deep within us. That, you know, his love that doesn't just stay in the knowledge of who we know God is, but rather in the heart that it goes deep within us to be able to come out again. The completed finished work on the cross is our capacity to express the love of God in our lives. That work on the cross, the work that is that has been put on the cross for each one of us, that we would be able to walk in that freedom, to be able to acknowledge that on our, our belief in Jesus Christ and the price that is paid on the cross is that we would be able to walk in that freedom. This week, knowing of this message and knowing of um, what was coming up, I was playing a game of netball. I play on Thursdays and interesting enough, I was just very mindful of this message as I was playing and, you know, just working things out in my head. And um, a game of netball that I play just on a Thursday morning, it's generally relaxed, it's generally, you know, pretty fairly um, easygoing game, it's not intense, like it's just a domestic league game, we pretty well, all the teams know each other, we're pretty friendly, we have a good joke up in the guard, generally playing defence, and so whether it be keeper or defence, you're generally chatting away to the person next to you, and it's quite a friendly game, and it's normally quite good, and the other team doesn't have too much competition. We generally lose, um, so it's quite a it's quite a friendly it's quite a friendly game mostly. And this this week, as we were playing that game, um, you know, as always, like we barely have a team, let alone win. That's like an achievement in itself. Um, so we're playing this game, and first and second quarter comes around, and sure enough, we're twenty points down. We're, and that's just like the norm, this is what we do, we go there, I hope that, you know, we don't achieve much, but I hope I get a bit of exercise out of the Thursdays, and a bit of um, time just spent together, have a bit of fun, but, you know, well, first and second quarter goes by, there's a big gap, there's 20, 20 points there, so the other team, they're pretty relaxed, they're pretty, pretty friendly with us, they're chatting to us, all's going good, then third quarter comes, the gap closes in, the gap closes in, people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So the gap closes in, and the gap is now only eight points apart. 
Mm, yeah, right, Dane's getting close. Um, that's close for us. Um, <laughs> and so the game starts changing. People's attitudes start changing. The focus of the game starts changing. We in our eyes can see we can actually win this game. We're getting like, we're in the zone. We're getting there. We're, and so the friendly talk soon starts to disappear. So now, no, we're not talking to you anymore. Like, you know, we've got to concentrate on this ball right now. And so that starts changing. And so we, so we get into fourth quarter, changed up a few of our players. Like at the end of third quarter, it was three points different. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we come into fourth quarter and it is game on. It is game on. We're like, come on, we can win this game. Laughter is gone. There is no more friendliness. Nothing's happening. There is a bit of push and shove, let me tell you, on that court. Things are getting real. Things are getting real. There is no more, you're my friend, how's your son? No, no, no. No more. No more is that happening. The game is getting real and we're here to win this game. And I'll push and shove you to get that ball. So it's getting really real in this moment. And while I know that my netball game on Thursday morning means nothing, other than I hope I get a bit more exercise, the reality is, in our own lives, when things are getting real, when God is calling us to something greater, there is going to become times where things come against us, life gets perplexed, accusations might come, things might get tough, and in those moments, are we going to stand in the love of God? Are we going to stand in the love of God? And then, you know, as we do that, you know, God is calling our church, I believe in this season, to stand up. To stand, not just stand up and fight, but stand up and love. To stand up and love that, you know, his church is growing and it's on the move. His church is growing and on the move. And what the enemy, what the things that will come at us would say, hey, just get off the path, it's easier. Hey, get out of the game. Sit on the side bench. It's easier. Hey, get out, get out the way. Don't worry about them. Harden your heart. Stay there. Be grumpy. But I believe what God's saying is, will you love? Will you love? Because now, I believe at every testing moment, at every testing time, when pressure comes, when things are coming at us, that the ability and the capacity to love broadens. That as we face those challenges, as we face the things that are in front of us, that God actually pours out more. He pours out more. It's like not your capacity to love, but my capacity to love, says God. He's like, I will pour it out to you. I will give it to you. You, through your brokenness, through you, through your hurt, emotional state, you stand because I am calling you to something greater. Church, I believe God is calling us to something greater. There is great things in front of us that he is calling us. And he is saying, don't get out of the game. Don't get out of the game. Don't you get distracted by what's going on. But stand and love. And I know that for my own life. That in ever, whenever I get to those moments, that is challenging. It is tough. You get that one moment with God. And he's like, no, you love now. And so I, I'd encourage you in that. You know, the game is real. The game is real. And for, for us to know that the game that we are playing, that we don't just play this for ourselves, that we have a mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in our world, that there are non-believers out there that are looking at us, that, you know, we need to love, that we need to be a part of being able to bring the gospel to all these spaces. The places that you go aren't the places that I go. And so God is calling his church to stand up 
and to love greatly, to love unconditionally. Wherever you are, don't get out of the game, but to stand up and to love greatly. How does the way you love provide the evidence of God? When God's love is evident in us, things start changing. Things start moving. When there isn't love that is deserved, but they get love anyway, things change. In verse 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love of God as for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The evidence of God's love begins with the understanding of his perfect love, that God's perfect love in you, that this perfect love that as we sit with that and the understanding of that, that it is complete, that it is finished, that it is done, that it is perfect, that there's nothing that um, needs to happen or to be added or taken away from that, but to sit in that and to know that it is this perfect, perfect love. Do you believe it? Do you understand it? Do you know it? Do you feel it? That God's perfect love is in you. That is, it is there for access to us and through us. I don't ever think that God's love is there just that it sits with us. But in fact, that through, through us, that God's love is seen and is evident in this world. Much of your life, much of your life holds on to that truth of God's perfect love is in you. That, you know, through that knowing and that understanding, through the, the broken, cracked vessels that he chooses to use to be the evidence in this world, that in fact, that it doesn't rely too much on us having it all together, but rather that his perfect love is there for us. What is the truth and what have experienced that God's perfect love, that it takes our lives and that is the truth, that he uses you, uses me to be able to be evidence in this world of that love. That God's perfect love, that it drives out fear of punishment. There is no condemnation. It informs us of things that are true. Like God's love is there to be able to shape us and grow us. That fear doesn't live any longer. Condemnation is not there anymore. Those things have to be moved out the way as perfect love comes and resides and holds on to us. We grasp that God's perfect love as a, as a personal reality, that as we grasp that, that personal love for us, that perfect love in us, that as a personal reality of that, that as we grasp that, that we live out of that, that we start seeing that at work, outpouring in our, in our world. And it is in those testing moments that aren't necessarily bad moments. They're moments and opportunities to grow in God's love. They are moments where God will use you, test you, grow you, shape you, stretch you, keep you uncomfortable. And I think that's what we want to be as a people, to be always growing, moving in what God is calling us to. 
that God's perfect love drives out fear in us, which enables us to be more like Jesus and to see that completed love working out in our lives. In John 4, 19, 21, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Boom. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> that was intense, wasn't it? But anyhow, <laughs> we should all go have lunch now. Anyhow. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And I'd invite the band up now, if I could, that our capacity to love comes, as we've seen, from God first loving us. That measure of God's completed love in us is found in our relationships with others. That measure, as we see our relationships working out in and through our every day, we see that love of God pouring out. You know, once we really didn't like that person, now we have a genuine love for them. We see that God's perfect love working in and through us. That God's love is made visible in those relationships. And it is seen. And that scripture that's so explicitly telling the truth, that if we hate our brother and sister who we can see, then how do we love a God who we can't see? The capacity of love coming from God himself to us. That completed work of God in our lives will shape us, will grow us, and we'll be able to see how that works out in all our relationships as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, whatever it may be, as a colleague, student, that that love of God is visible in and through us. That as we work it out, as we go about doing our thing, that God's love is shaping us and those around us see the evidence of God's love through us. This week I had a phone call from one of our teachers um, at Ulta One down at Meriwa and they meet down there and we have the awesome opportunity that also one of these Ulta One schools meet in our campus at Mullaloo and they have an amazing relationship working together in that. But Ulta One is a school where kids um, come along to this school that don't quite fit into the main, main school stream. And so they come along and they're able to work at their own pace, finish high school, get it all done. And one of the teachers called me and they said, they just talked about these tragic situations that were happening in a few of the families. And whilst the teachers are paid to, you know, teach the kids, to support the kids during those times, I listened to this teacher speak to me. And they were talking about how two families in a few days, within a few days, were just had these tragic situations happening. So the teachers were rallying together to provide meals for families of four and all sorts of things on a daily basis. They were supporting the family. They were, they were supporting the, the kids. They were doing all these things to be able to show and be evident of the, God, of the evidence of God and his love in that situation. That, you know, I see that and I hear that and I'm like, these are kids that potentially wouldn't experience God's love. And yet these, these teachers, that to be honest, probably at times are challenging situations even to love those kids. But they, who are connected to an infinite God of love, are able to provide meals, able to provide support, 
able to provide all these things for these families, not because we're paid to or have to, but because the love of God has gotten hold of their heart. So as we wrap up today, I'd love to pray for us that, you know, we are the evidence of love in our world today, that God chooses you, God chooses me, that through these broken vessels that we have an opportunity to display God's love. And I'd love to take a moment while every eye is closed and head is bowed, that, you know, even as we talked about that this Jesus that paid the ultimate price on the cross. He went to the cross so that there'd be sin no more. He went to the cross that we would have this relationship with God. And I wonder if there's anyone out there today that is like, oh, I don't know of this Jesus. I don't know the love of God in my life. And I just love, it's just a simple prayer, but to pray with you that, you know, if that's something that you want, that's something that actually I haven't experienced that and I want that for my life that I love to pray for you and if and if that is you and if you'd like to just raise your hand up and I'll just do a quick prayer for you if there's anyone here that would like that thank you Heavenly Father heaven rejoices today at the response of um, someone wanting to put their, their life in your hands. So Jesus, we pray that in this moment, for that decision to follow and to know you, God, I pray that you would come and you would um, be evident and real in her life. That Holy Spirit, as she says, I want to follow you, I want to know who you are, that Holy Spirit, that you would reveal yourself to her. Thank you, Jesus. And also in this moment, while eyes are closed, that I wonder if there's anyone here and it's like, I've been challenged with love. Like you, Michelle, I've been challenged with love this week. And I'd just love to have some prayer to be able to work through that situation. I know God's love. And through this broken vessel, I need more capacity to love in this moment. If there's anyone here, I'd just love to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your perfect love, your complete love, your love that is finished and paid the price on the cross, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that this morning for anyone facing the challenges, Lord, to love, I pray that, Lord, that you would just outpour by your Holy Spirit a measure of love, Lord, that can, Lord, just work itself out from that vessel. That, Lord, that we would be able to be evident of your love in our world that you would be able to be seen in our world through our love, Lord. So I pray that you would come, that you would fill us afresh. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be evident in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.